Classic Horror Stories Fear by Guy de Ma U We went up to the deck after dinner, before us the Mediterranean lay without a ripple and shimmering in the moonlight. Great ship glided on, casting upward to the star-studded sky, long servant of black smoke. Behind us the dazzling white water, stirred by the rapid progress of the heavy bark, and beaten by the propeller, foamed, seemed to wither, gave off so much brilliancy that one could have called it boiling moonlight. There are, two, there are six or eight of us silent with admiration gazing towards faraway Africa, whither we are, go, we are going. We're going. Commandant, who is smoking a cigar with us, publicly resumed conversation, began at dinner. Yes, I'm afraid. Then my ship remained for six hours on the rock, beaten by the wind, a great hole in the side. Luckily, we were picked up by up towards evening by an English scholar who sighted us. A two man, tall man of sunburned face and grave demure, one of the, those men who had evidently travelled unknown and far away lands, whose calm eyes seemed to preserve in its depths something of the foreign scenes it has, it has observed. A man, he was sure, is impregnated with courage, spoke for the first time. You say, Commandant, that you were afraid. I beg to disagree with you. You are in error as to the meaning of the word and the nature of sensation that you experienced. An energetic man is never afraid in the presence of urgent death, danger. He is no sighted aroused, full of anxiety. The fear is something quite different. Commandant laughed and asked, Bah, I assure you I am that I was afraid. And a man of tanned countenance addressed us deliberately as follows. Permit me to explain fear, and the boldest man may feel fear fear. Is something horrible, atrocious sensation, a sort of decomposition of the soul, terrible spasm of brain and heart, and the very memory of which brings a shudder of anguish. But when one is brave, he feels it neither under fire nor the presence of sure death, nor in the face of any well-known danger. It brings up another certain abnormal conditions under certain mysterious influences, Presence of vague peril. Real fear is a sort of reminiscence, fantastic terror of the past. Man who believes in ghosts and images. He sees a spectre in the darkness, must feel fear in all its horror. As for me, I was overwhelmed with fear in a broad daylight about ten years ago, again one December night last winter. Nevertheless, I have gone through many dangers, many adventures, which seem to promise death. I have often been in battle. I have been left for dead by thieves. America was condemned as insurgent to be hanged, and off the coast of China I have been thrown into the sea the deck of a ship. Each time I thought I was lost, I once decided upon my course of action without regret or weakness. That is not fear. I have felt in it in Africa, yet it is charred in the north. The sunlight banishes it like the mist. Consider this fact, gentlemen. 
Among the Orientals, life has no value. Resignation is natural. The lights are clear and empty of the sober spirit of unrest which haunts the brain in cooler lands. In Orient, panic. The Orient panic is known, but not fear. Well then, here is the incident that befell me in Africa. I was crossing the great sands of South Ongalola in one of the curious districts in the world. You see in the hot, solid, continuous sand of the endless ocean strands. But imagine the ocean itself turned to sand in the midst of a storm. Imagine a silent tempest with motionless bellows of yellow dust. How high as mountains, these uneven, varied surges rising exactly like unchained bellows, but still larger and stratified like watered silk. This wild, silent, motionless sea, the consuming rays of typical tropical sun, are poured pitilessly and directly to climb these stakes of red hot ash, descend again on the other side, climb again, climb again, climb without halt, without repose. Without shade, the horses cough, stink to their knees, and slide down the sides these remarkable hills. With a couple of friends followed by eight shepherds, four camels with them drivers. We're no longer talking, overcome by heat, fatigue, a first such as that had produced his burning desert. Suddenly one of our men uttered a cry. We all halted, surprised by an unresolved phenomenon, known only to travellers in these trackless wastes. Somewhere near us, in an indeterminable direction, a drum was rolling, a mysterious drum on the sands, is beating distinctly, now with greater resonance, and again feebler, feebler, seizing, then resuming its uncanny roll. The arrows, terrified, stared at one another, and one said in his language, Death is upon us. He spoke, my companion, my friend, almost a brother, dropped from his horse, falling face downward in the sand, overcome by sunstroke. And for two hours, while I tried in vain to save him, this weird drum filled my ears with a monotonous, intermittent, incorruptible tone. I felt lay hold of my bones fear real fear hid his fear the presence of his beloved corpse in his hole scorched by the sun surrounded by four mountains of sand two hundred leagues from any french settlement while echo assailed our ears with its this fabric furious drumbeat on that day i realized that fear was but since on that day I realised what fear was, but since then I have had another and still more vivid experience. The Commandant interrupted the speaker. I beg your pardon, but what was the drum? The traveller replied. I can't say, no one knows. Officers are often surprised by this singular noise attributed to adrenaline to the echo produced by hail of grains of sand blown by the wind against the dry and brittle leaves of weeds. For it is, was um, always been noticed that phenomenon occurs in proximity to little ants burned by the sun, hard as parchment. Sounds seem to have magnified, been magnified, multiplied and swelled beyond. 
measures in its progress through the valleys of sand. A drum, therefore, might be considered a sort of sound mirage. Nothing more, but I did not know. I did not know that until later. I should proceed with my second instance. It was last winter in the forest the northwest of France. The sky was so overcast, and night came two hours earlier than usual. My guide was a peasant who walked beside me along the narrow road while the vault of fern trees, through which the wind its ferry howled. Behind the treetops I saw the fleeting clouds which seemed to hasten as if to escape some object of terror. Sometimes in its in a fierce gust of wind, whole forest blow bowed in the same direction with groan of pain, a chill laid hold of me despite my rapid pace and heavy clothing. We were to sup and sleep at an old gamekeeper's house not much further on. I had come out for hunting. My guide sometimes raised his eyes and muttered, ugly weather. Then he told me about the people among whom he were to spend the night. Father was killed. They killed a poacher two years before, and since then had been gloomy and behaved as been though behaved as though being haunted by memory. His two sons were married and lived with him. The darkness was profound. Christian nothing before me, nor around me. A mass of overhanging interlacing trees rubbed together, filling the night with incessant whispering. Finally, I saw light, and soon my companion was knocking upon the door. Sharp women's voices answered us, and a man's voice, a choking voice, asked, Who goes there? My guide gave his name. We entered, beheld a remarkable picture. An old man with white, wild, white hair, wild, wild eyes, loaded gun in his hands, stood waiting for us in the middle of the kitchen, where two steward youths, armed with axes, got a door in sombre corners and soon with two women, kneeling with faces to the wall. Matters were explained, and the old man stood his gun against the wall, at the same time ordering that the room be prepared for me. Then, as the women did not stir, Look, you, mister, said he, two years ago, this night I killed a man. Last year he came back to haunt me. I expect him again tonight. Then he added a tone that made me smile. And so we are, are somewhat excited. I showed him the best I could, happy with, to have ride on the particular evening to witness his superstitious terror. I had told stories and almost succeeded in calming the whole household. Near the fireplace slept an old dog, moustached, almost blind, with his head between his paws. Such a dog reminds you of people you have known. Outside the raging storm was beating against a little house, sunny for a small plane of glass. A sort of peeping turret window placed near the door. I saw a brilliant flash of lightning, a whole mass of trees thrashed by the wind. In spite of my efforts, I realised that terror was laying hold of these people, and each sound I ceased to speak. All ears listened for distant sounds. Annoyed at these foolish fears, I was about to retire to my bed, when the old gold gamekeeper say leapt from his chair, seized his gun, and stammered wildly, There he is, there he is, I hear him. 
two women again sank down upon their knees in the corner and hid their faces. The sons took up the, the axes. I was going to try to pacify them. Once more, the sleeping dog awakened suddenly and raising his head, stretching his neck, looked at the fire with dim eyes and uttered one of those mournful howls which might make travellers shudder, shudder the darkness of solitude of the country. All eyes were focused upon him now as he rose on his front feet, as though haunted by a vision, began to howl at something invisible, unknown and doubtless horrible, but he was bristling all over. Gamekeeper? With a livid face cried, he sensed him, he sensed him. Yeah, he was there when I killed him. Two women terrified began to wail in concert with the dog. In spite of myself, cold chills ran down my spine. If vision of the animal at such a time and place, in the midst of these startled people, was something frightful to witness. Then for now the dog howled without stirring. He howled as though the anguish, the nightmare and fear, horrible fear, came over me. Fear what? How can I say? It's fear, and that is all I know. He remained motionless and pale, expecting something awful to happen. Our ears are strained, our hearts beat loudly, while the strangest noise will start in us. Then the beast began to walk around the room sniffing the walls and growling constantly. Manoeuvres were driving us mad. The countryman who brought me in Tiva, in paradoxism of rage, seized a dog and carried him to a door, which opened into a small court, thrust him forth. The noise was surprised. He left plunged in silence, still more terrible. And suddenly we all started. Someone was guiding along the outside wall towards the forest, where he seemed to be feeling of the door, a trembling hand, and for two minutes nothing was heard. He almost lost our minds. He turned, still feeling along the wall, and scratched lightly, lightly upon the door as a child might do his fingernails. Suddenly a face appeared behind the glass, peep window, a white face with eyes shining, a those of a cat tribe. A word of sound was heard, an instinct, Plaintive murmur. Then there was a formidable burst of noise in the kitchen. The old keeper had fired. The two sons at once rushed forward, barricaded the window with the great table, reinforcing it with a buffet. I swear to you that at the shock of the gun was discharged, which I did not expect, such anguish laid hold of my heart, my soul, my very body. I felt myself upon about to fall, but die from fear. Remained there until dawn, unable to move in short, seized my indescribable numbness of the brain. No one dared to remove the barricade until a thin light of sunlight appeared through a crack in the back room. At the base of the wall and under the window, we found the old dog lying dead. His skull shattered by a bull. He escaped from the little court by digging a hole under a fence. The dark visaged man, man came silent. Then he added, Yet on that night I incurred no danger, but I should rather again pass for all the hours in which I was conf have confronted the most terrible perils in one minute 
when the gun was discharged at a beaded head in the window.